just it recently became popular because of chat gpt but chat gpt is only one use case of what generative ai or large language models can do for you people now come to india for talent so there is always a boring part there's a boring part which runs your business which keeps the light on if you believe in it that's where your passion is take the plunge if you have the ability to understand the business you have the ability to understand the technology and you have the ability to understand your people you have a very potent mixture to be successful Welcome to Netcast, the official podcast of NIT Kurukshetra Alumni Association, where we explore the inspiring journeys of our alums and the valuable lessons that they have gathered along the way. I'm your host Lakshita, and I feel very honored and excited to welcome the alumnus of today's podcast, Mr. Sakar Anand, who is the head and India head and head of HR at BMC Softwares. Our podcast features a seasoned professional with 27 years of experience in IT product development, human resources and product operations with expertise in diverse domains including enterprise, software and DevOps. He has excelled in HR leadership covering areas like strategic planning, HR data analysis and organizational developments. His achievements span outsourcing management, delivering businesses and IT solutions and leading IT integrations globally specializing in R&D globalization enterprise IT governance lean six sigma and change management our guest is a leader in technology and HR innovations join us for the insights on the topic for globalization to IT governance and change management so i would like to start with like what has been your background and how did you came to NIT and how did the journey started Thank you, Lakshita. Uh, pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me here today. So I was uh, born to an IIT professor. Okay, and uh, all my family uh, went to that IIT to do to become an engineer. So back in those days, the only option I had was to become an engineer. And I don't think I was bright enough to go to that IIT, but I went to the next best uh, next best college, which is an IIT Kolkata. So, like, how has the landscape of the enterprise software evolved over the years, and what emerging trends do you find more impactful? See, enterprise software is uh, is something that you know many people who are actually not in that field don't understand what it does. Right? It's not a consumer software which you know all of us use. Uh, so, enterprise software helps businesses run profitably, right? and enterprise software has moved from what i would call reactive to proactive to predictive to now preemptive so now so i think r and the three p's so what it means is that uh, earlier software would help people tell what went wrong and then people would fix it it proactive was the software would tell people that something might go wrong they're into predictive it started telling people what can go wrong and when will it go wrong and preemptive was that it also added an element to it where people or where companies didn't need to actually have even intervention they would knew what would go wrong when it would go wrong and they can automatically provision in additional infrastructure additional hardware to prevent that from going wrong now with the invent of generative ai uh where this is going is that it is also helping business leaders understand their infrastructure and understand what impact would this infrastructure have on their businesses 
so they can quantify the impact in dollar terms and hence make quick decisions in regards to how to provide infrastructure so that the business doesn't get impacted how quick do you think that uh, the business leaders will be opting for the stock like generative ai and like when is it the person feels the right time to opt for it it's already there yeah it is there but more of the most of the companies are quite scared also because of the negative impacts that it is having see anything has to be regulated any software that comes in has to be regulated right it has to be used in a manner wherein it is used for the well-being of human beings and not for the detriment right so there's a lot of work that is happening around that piece but if you look at uh the practical usage of generative ai or large language models it's already out there in the businesses it just it recently became popular because of chat gpt but chat gpt is only one use case of what generative ai or large language models can do for you i think from the batch you graduated uh, from that time onwards uh, artificial intelligence is there it was there the artificial intelligence artificial intelligence has been there since early 90s actually not even from the time we graduated right and in back in those days it was called expert systems right uh it has become more practical now it has become more easily available now because of the advent of computing power think of the amount of data that we gather right converting that data into meaningful information identifying trends out of it right using those trends and meaningful information to make decisions and implementing those decisions in an automated manner with the highest level of cyber security this all is all possible because of the high amount of computing power that is available to us and that to any team right so it's all become cost effective for people to use it so you you, you said it right uh, artificial intelligence was always there but our ability to process data and process it faster has has improved because of the computing power that we have at our disposal now okay that's that's quite insightful so in your experience with the it integrations with global businesses what are the key challenges that you face and i would also like to know what's the boring part of it like everyone is out there doing the interesting stuff and uh, i think uh, most of the people miss out on the boring stuff because they don't want to do it so what is it see first of all uh, i you talked about it integrations uh, and you talked about global it integrations right So first of all why does it become global? Uh it's become global because uh the world has moved out out of North America or out of Europe right where the software can be developed. Right? Uh back when back in the days when we joined this industry people were coming to India for cost arbitrage. People now come to India for talent. Right? Cost arbitrage is is a byproduct of it. Now when this happening which is you know which is which is what we say the world has become flat now. systems are used in different global contexts same systems right but they are spread across the world and with a workforce using that system 24 by 7 the the need for it to be integrated is uh, is paramount now the challenges that companies typically face today come from the fact that many of these systems they don't talk to each other So there's one system which is generating data. There's another system which is generating data, right? Both these uh, these data sets need to come together for a good decision to be made, but they don't have smooth systems through which these data sets talk to each other, and that's what companies are doing now. They are making data flow upstream and downstream so that the right decisions can be taken at the right time. 
right? Now, there is always a boring part, uh, you know, in a software or in a, in a software company, which is keeping the lights on. Right? You don't, you will not always be developing new things. You will not always be working on innovation. Uh, what people don't realize is that keeping the operations on is what brings in the money. Somebody has to do it. So there is, there is boring part, but there's money in it. And that's how the companies run. Uh, I'll maybe not take a BMC software example, but think of Google. Where does their money come from? Search. Right? When you go and talk to Google employee, nobody wants to work in search anymore. People want to do all new things, all jazzy things. So there is always a boring part. There's a boring part which runs your business, which keeps the light on, and somebody has to do it. Entrepreneur also, I think there are a lot of boring parts, learning about taxes, learning about compliance, learning about like the operation scalability stuff, and I think a lot. There is uh, a lot of uh, boring things in entrepreneurship. Uh, as my illustrious predecessor talked about, uh, it looks very attractive, uh, but uh, you need to get a lot of things right to be a successful entrepreneur. Uh, and uh, you know, somebody said one in ten succeed. Actually, one in sixteen succeed. My God, that's very much less possibility. Yeah, there is, uh, there is, uh, see, there is, there is no guarantee for success anywhere. But again, as Nitin talked about. If you believe in it, that's where your passion is. Think the Yes, definitely. Sir, you are the India head and the head of HR at BMC. So how do you balance the demand of both HR and IT roles? Like what advices do you have for the professional who are seeking the dual experience in these areas? See, first of all, uh, look at today's businesses, right? Every business is becoming a software business. Because every business is becoming a software business, these businesses are highly human capital intensive. Hmm. So if you have the ability to understand the business, you have the ability to understand the technology and you have the ability to understand your people, you have a very potent mixture to be successful. I feel that I'm very fortunate to have had this opportunity in my career. Uh, I did not study human resources. Uh, I am an engineer. I started my career as a hands-on programmer. I went on to lead development teams. I led development centers. HR happened to me by accident. It was, it, it is definitely a good accident. Uh, and when I started doing HR, I somewhere realized that maybe I was born to do this. I fell in love with that job. Uh, four, five years in the job, I thought that I had had my stint in HR. Whatever I wanted to pick as an HR head, I had those skills, I had the temperament, and I came back into the business. And since then, uh, for the last seven, eight years, I've been doing more business leader jobs. Uh, wherein I don't really have to dive deep into technology. I don't have to really focus on uh, like human resources COEs or, or partnering with the business leaders. I have teams that do, for, uh, do that for me. But uh, I can talk to my employees and I can speak their language because I'm an engineer. I can talk to my colleagues who are business leaders and I can speak their language because I understand the business. So that's what helps me in, in getting this done. Uh, but if people want to have multiple skills, there's one common theme to it. Once you enter an industry or once you enter a company, understand your products. Understand the technology that helps those products help the customers become successful. If you can get this thing right, then you can pick any skill that you want and you can make, become successful. Yes, definitely. Like it's very rightly said, engineers are jack of all and king of none. 
so you can talk in all of the languages mm. and master in one skill and you will succeed absolutely and then there is uh, you know in in uh, in consulting terms they call it a t right so the you should definitely have a long uh, term for the t and as broad as you can make the head it's it's up to you that had also tells that how many people you can reach out and it signifies your network on how many skill how many like uh, knowledge points you can gather to talk to different different people and extend and it also helps you strike good meaningful conversation intelligent conversations with people which also as you said builds builds your network okay so having like 27 ex- years of experience in the software development what lessons have you learned ab- about delivering successful business and it solutions in the complex domains like the devops and banking see the the common theme as i said always has been regardless of which domain you are in which technology you work on right you need to understand your business you need to understand your products you need to understand how your products make your customers successful at some point in time as you climb in the corporate ladder you have to also understand your competition you have to understand the market that you play in and you have to also understand the unique selling proposition that you will bring from your product to your customers Having said that, all this is possible when you are a lifelong learner. Right? Many times we think that I've learned what I wanted to learn. Now I'll implement it and I can be successful in my job. But the world that we live in is very dynamic. Something that was relevant in the industry, which was in vogue today, will be out of vogue six months later. Jobs are going into scrap after the COVID has come. So we need to be open to learn new things. Uh, when things around us are moving so fast. right we need to at least keep pace with it staying where you are is a regression today because things around you are moving faster than you so to progress you have to learn and move faster than it having uh, like being a lifelong learner it also takes a lot of guts it takes discipline more than guts it takes a lot of discipline you have to manage your time well you need to know uh, where is your time well spent uh, you cannot dive deep into everything so you also need to know where i need to dive deep and where i need to have The, the the superficial knowledge that can help me strike good conversations with intelligent people okay. i guess someone having experience in setting up and managing the large it operations in india what considerations do you believe are crucial for like ensuring growth and success see once again uh, number 1 a uh, lot of people in india talk about global capability centers i don't think building a country identity is the key there uh you need to be aligned to the global infrastructure or the global fabric of the company right and then look for what skills are available in india which will not be available in other parts of the world and for which you should be invested in india it's not about bringing work to india just because we want you know our india centers to grow we should bring work to india which can be done well in india which will be beneficial to the organization so we need to have global command centers or global capability centers for uh, for companies but they should be serving a purpose which is aligned to the global fabric of the company which expedites the global growth of the company and today uh, india is one such market where innovation is happening in india and is being supplied to other parts of the world there's a lot to our advantage in india today if you look, if you just look at india we graduate more engineers than anywhere else in the world every year I just read somewhere, and I heard also there's like seventeen lakhs per year out of which. Easily, that would that would be the number. Uh, look at it from a socio-economic perspective. We are the most stable comp- uh, country in the world. Talk about geopolitical perspective. 
we are the most available company in the world, country in the world. So India is the place. India is the destination for people to come. Hello, Indians, Jugaad hota hai. I I don't uh, see Jugaad is maybe a word for uh, being influential. We we use that word. Uh, Jugaad is a word that we very proudly use for our ability to have workarounds. Uh, but I think that's uh, that's our USP. That's a skill that not many people in the world have. And we are a country which is maybe already we have surpassed China in its population. So we 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 are brought up with a skill where we know how to do more with less. Let's use it to our advantage. Definitely. What is it the, that you want to give it to the people of NIT Kurukshetra right now, studying in college? A piece of advice. I would. I would tell them that as you are becoming an engineer and as you are uh, trying to get expertise in a specific domain or a field, learn about what happens in the industry. Get yourself as much exposure as you can to the industry. And I typically call it bridging that uh, campus to corporate gap. Make yourself more employable. And it's hard skills plus soft skills. Uh, you need to improve your communication skills, and when I when I say communication skills, I don't mean language of or uh, knowledge of English language. It's just a medium of communication. But your ability to communicate with people, your ability to connect with people in different levels. So that's something which is important. Yes, English is a global language, so knowing how to speak good English is is always beneficial. Uh, develop an executive presence. Uh, you should be able to dress for an occasion. You should be able to act. Uh, Along with the crowd, you you need to know how to be a part of the crowd, or you need to know how to, uh, you know, uh, act to the audience. So these are all these softer skills also that you need to develop. Uh, and I'm very very pleasantly surprised that when I go to colleges today uh, for campus hiring, I find students very bright. We were not that bright when we were graduating out of college. Like when we used to sit in uh, uh, interviews, uh, we were nervous. I don't see students being nervous. Honestly, I don't think 27 years ago I would have sat like you and talked to somebody in the industry who's got a 25 years of industry experience. I have this conversation. I would be very nervous. I'm very impressed the way you're talking to me. Sir, I think if uh, you were given this stage and you were made to sit, you would have done it. Not not in one go, but in third go or second go. I. Um, we didn't get these chances, so I I can't I can't uh, talk about it. But again, if I'm just talking about where uh, you know our education system has moved forward, where our Kids have moved forward, right? There's a lot that has happened in this country for 20, in 27 years and a lot has happened for good in this country in 27 years. So kids are a lot more employable and are more ready for a job when they join a company than we used to be 25, 27 years ago. Okay, that's quite an interesting conversation. I would uh, like, like to thank you for being the guest of honor here. And thank you so much, Mr. Sakre, sir. And this has been a valuable like insight and learning altogether for the listeners as well. Stay tuned for more stories of resilience, transformation and success from our NIT Kurukshetra alumni community. And remember your journey is full of possibilities and embracing change can lead to remarkable